The game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Well, certainly not an encouraging performance that we saw tonight from the Bucks. You, you had a little bit of skepticism when you saw the injury report for the Miami Heat and knew there was going to be no Jimmy Butler, as we learned a couple of days ago, currently away from the team um, for some personal reasons and a, a death in the family. Then on Sunday afternoon, the Heat had a game against the Boston Celtics where they lost Terry Rozier for what appeared to be a very, very serious knee injury. It is now being listed as a knee sprain. And as Eric Spolstra said, he's, he's week to week. Uh, but both Terry Rozier and Josh Richardson left in that game. Josh Richardson with a shoulder issue, and both of those players are going to be on the shelf for a couple of weeks. But again, as we heard from Spo before the game, at the moment of both of those injuries, they felt like it could potentially be season enders, and it doesn't appear that's the case. But this is always a dangerous Miami Heat team. You do wonder how much of this is not even preparing for a different version of the Heat and preparing for players like Rozier and uh, Jimmy Butler, but just their absence, how much that changes the way the, the Heat play offensively. Not by much, I'll grant you that, but it does tend to cause a little bit more movement. The ball is currently, or the, the ball is often in the hands of Jimmy Butler. He's the one running the offense for the Miami Heat. I'm not saying the Bucks lost the game because Jimmy Butler didn't play. It does present a different dynamic for this Miami Heat offense, and the dynamic the Heat had without him was a lot quicker, a lot more ball movement, and a lot of stress on this Bucks defense. And Doc Rivers said it best after the game. Every team goes through games like this. You hate them, but it is what it is, that you just have a performance like this every now and then. In the case of the Bucks, we've seen a couple of them. You go back a week ago against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's, it's really been about a month of this for the Bucks, You got blown out by the Timberwolves. Granted, you didn't have a whole lot of firepower. You didn't have Chris Middleton. didn't have Brooke Lopez in his size against that team. You got blown out tonight by the Miami Heat, but you blew out the Charlotte Hornets. You blew out the Denver Nuggets. You did the same somewhat recently to the Boston Celtics as well. So there's been a lot of these types of performance. But I mentioned this at the end of the broadcast, and that is the all-star break. And I think a lot of teams can point to this, but the Bucks especially. The all-star break could not come at a better time for this team. The schedule that they have been dealing with, that we've gone over quite a bit for the last couple of weeks. Another back-to-back tonight. You're going to have another one early into the second half schedule as well, you've got a lot of challenges on that second-half schedule with the level of competition you have. One of the most difficult schedules that remains in the NBA. We'll get into those rankings as well. I just mentioned it as well. You look at the three teams atop the Western Conference, Bucks have five games left against those teams. You open your second-half schedule with one of those teams on the road in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. You have that. You have two games against the Thunder, two games against the Clippers, Still both of your games against the Lakers, who could be in a spot where they're in must-win positions. A lot of challenging games left. Two games left with the 76ers. Who knows if you'll see Joel Embiid in those games. We know in one of them he won't be. 
Two games left with the Boston Celtics. A game left with the New York Knicks. It is a second-half schedule that is brutal. This stretch the Bucks have gone through for the last two and a half, three weeks has been brutal. But you do get the sense you just need a chance to catch your breath, to get off the road as they did after that five-game road trip, to not have to worry about a back-to-back or three games in five nights or five and seven as it all started to add up for this Bucks team. Get a little bit of rest and get some more time off the court to work on some of these things. As Doc Rivers said, there's not a whole lot of heavy lifting in the installs that we're doing. I don't want this to be paralysis by analysis and throw too much at these guys, have them thinking too much. Mention the quote that he keeps referencing from Don Shula a night ago, and, and that is, you know, the moment you have to stop and think about it, you're not at your quickest, right? And I want this team to just know what not to do and not constantly be thinking, do I move here? Do I rotate here? Who's, whose man is that? To eliminate all of that. And we heard a little bit more on, on that insight from Doc Rivers before the game. I do want to get to some of those comments. But the point is, you just need a little bit of, of a break. Rest for your bodies and more time to go through some of these walkthroughs and practices and everything else that Doc Rivers has not been afforded the opportunity to come in at the midpoint of the season, not have a training camp, and now be thrust into this situation. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Again, a disappointing score, a wire-to-wire win by the Miami Heat. An impressive showing for this Miami Heat offense. It's one game out of 82. There are some things that you certainly need to clean up, but I do want to get into some of the comments we heard from Doc Rivers both before and after the game tonight, and also plenty of time to hear from you. That number again, 855-616-1620. We'll get to all the calls coming up next on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Better days start with a better night's sleep on a mattress for Burns. This is Bucks Talk. Wire to wire win tonight for the Miami Heat, who frankly dominate the Bucks. Short-handed Miami Heat team playing without Jimmy Butler, without Terry Rozier, without Josh Richardson, and what you saw on the court tonight in many ways invoked a lot of memories of what we saw earlier in the spring, a year ago in the spring, I should say, in 2023, where the Heat came in here as an eight seed and essentially had their way with the Bucks, knocking off the one seed in five games. We saw a lot of the same tones tonight as the Heat defense trapped the Bucks. They forced turnovers. It seemed like the Bucks were just caught in quicksand for many periods of this game. And stop me if you heard this before, but Miami had their role players on fire knocking down threes. Four players accounted for all 19 of those made threes for Miami tonight. Those four players, Nikola Jovic, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kevin Love, as that group goes a combined 19 of 31. And uh, the Bucks had their chances. They just could not sustain any runs here. And the Miami Heat take them down 123-297. the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head to the phone lines and catch up with Dick in Port Washington. You lead things off tonight, Dick. Yeah, hi, Justin. Um, it's not really worth talking about tonight's game. It would have been nice if we had at least got a hand in front of their faces on some of those trees. 
And Giannis's numbers don't belie the fact or belie the fact that he didn't have a good game. They were throwing it all. He was throwing it all over the place, missing bunnies. But I don't think that it's not even worth talking about. What I want to talk about is that um, this Thursday will be Doc's tenth game and the thirteenth game since uh, Griffin was relieved of duties. And what have we learned? The only we learned is that we can beat anyone and lose to anyone. Um, I, I, I listen to the national people, um, and I, I, I think everyone's expecting a big change after the All-Star break. Uh, some practices have really helped, as, as it was shown the last couple of times. Um, but, but I think we have to deal with some realities, too, is that uh, as much as I was totally in favor of the Dane trade, he is overall underwhelmed. Um, I think it's pretty much safe to say that if, if Dame steps up, then we have a, a chance to go to the finals. And if he doesn't, I don't think it's going to happen. I do think it's a break for us that once the playoff starts, there's no back-to-back, and it's more of a half-court game. Um, but I think, if, as you pointed out several times, if, if, if we don't get the, the third seed, or the second seed. I don't think the second seed's in play. The, the third seed is if we're in fourth place or lower, we don't have a chance. It's, well, I don't know and, if we don't have a chance, um, but it's a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's a lot of trouble. But um, <laughs> if, if everything's going to happen after the All Star break, I get that. But um, I, I, I just I don't know what to make of this team, and. Um, my son pointed out to me tonight, you know, it didn't seem like the Bucks were that interested tonight. And, and, and here's what I would have said. If that would have been Griffin coaching, that'd be coach's fault. He didn't get him up for the game. And I think it's too early to say that Doc didn't get him up for the game. As he mentioned before the games, he doesn't even know the young guy's name. You know, hey, young guy. call <laughs> the guy over. And, and, I, and I think that's true. I, I think that his emphasis... On, on improving the defense is overwhelming everything else. I, I really I, do. You have any idea what are the NBA rules for practicing over the seven days that we're off? You have to give them so many days off because I think we could use two back-to-back practices big time. It is a break, so um, I believe it's Wednesday that you can start to report back to team facilities. You'll have some teams that are playing on Thursday. Um, I think it's either that or it's Thursday, but you, you basically get the chance to have a practice maybe two days if you're lucky, but you, you'll probably get one practice in there. And and look, as, as I know it's kind of the point that you're making, once you get to this point of the schedule not a whole lot of teams practice anymore it's usually film review and you'll walk through some things um but as doc rivers has said you know we've been using all of that in in our film reviews and our practices to really hammer home a lot of this stuff so so games resume the 22nd of uh, of february which is a week from thursday the Bucks don't play until Friday when I mentioned they're in Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. So you'll at least have a practice on uh, or a shoot-around, but you'll at least have that on Thursday, the 22nd. 
then leave for Minnesota and play the Timberwolves on Friday, I believe you have the opportunity for players to report on Wednesday, and maybe we'll get through something there as well to get the guys, especially if you're not participating in All-Star Weekend or the All-Star Game, you would then get five days off uh, if that were the case. But you know, from here on out, and Doc Rivers made this point when he took the job too, looking at the schedule, I, I think he said he counted four practice days that, the, that this team had for the rest of the way when you think about travel and everything else and you're not going to go through practices as much as we may think you need to do it when you have a day off after a back-to-back you may look at the schedule and say well tomorrow's an off day and then they go to memphis you'll have a practice there it's not necessarily the case that you do need to give some of those guys rest and that's where you have film reviews and and other things of that nature and that's what doc rivers is up against i don't know that it's a, a case of you're overwhelming this team with change because he, he's kind of made the point that it's the opposite. And I'm not trying to say this is, is what you're insinuating, um, but he's made the point of, you know, how many guys have we heard bring this up as well? Doc made that uh, that reference to Don Shula a couple of times. He did it again last night of you don't want this to become a mental game because the moment that creeps in, it, it slows down everything you're doing. You want guys to just be going through things second nature and firing on on all cylinders, and that's when you're moving with a speed, when you're not thinking about things. Earlier in the season, when all of these defensive issues are really starting to compound and pile up, J.J. Redick on his podcast documented that as well and, and did a film review of some of the plays the Bucks were running and walked through, look, at this moment, if you're new to this, if you haven't run these sets, if you haven't done a lot of this switching and, and everything else the Bucks were doing, you know, at these moments is when you start to think, wait a minute, is this my guy? Do I need to peel off here? Do I drop back there? Am I rotating here? And the moment you do it, even if it's just a split second that you're giving up there, you're losing whatever positional battle you're in against the best athletes in the world, and that's where you get beat. So I think Doc Rivers has made a point of really hammering home, look, we're not going to bombard you with change. He brought in his guys. He brought in Rex Kalamian, the guy that ran his defense for so many years when he was with the Clippers. He brought in Dave Yeager, a former head coach, and the guy, again, running his offense. The last couple of years when Doc was in Philadelphia with the 76ers, but this isn't a, okay, we're going to forget everything that we did for those five years under Mike Budenholzer, for the first half of this season under Adrian Griffin. We're going to throw all that out, and we're going to start over new. He's been trying to layer things in and supplement some things, keeping a lot of the same terminology and everything else and running some similar plays, but this hasn't been wholesale change. I think what stands out the most is, again, I'm going to keep using the phrase of low-hanging fruit, and it has been Doc Rivers coming in and figuring out how do we grab this? How do we improve that defense? He's continuing to point out defense after every one of these press conferences until tonight. I'll point that out. But he had said last night, you know, 70% of our practices and things that we had worked on, everything we're, we're discussing and working on in shoot-arounds, in walkthroughs, it's been on the defensive end and, and, and implying, look, that's where we need the most change here. Before the game today, I thought it was interesting as well when he talked about, you know, there was essentially no real plan or structure that uh, some of the numbers we pointed out on pregame where the Bucks defense has really taken a step forward it's been a couple of areas that have contributed to that, and I think it's stuff that all of us have seen from the couch and the sidelines and said, maybe we should address this. 
They've cleaned up their transition. How have they done that? By not crashing on the offensive rebounds. And Doc said before the game tonight, you know, I, I saw some of this where you would see guys crashing and you would see guards and even joked, I love Damian Lillard. I don't need to see Damian Lillard crashing the offensive glass. I need him to get back as one of the helpers on defense in transition. I've seen guys crashing from above the three-point line trying to get offensive rebounds. And again, what are we doing here is essentially what Doc Rivers was saying. So I'm coming in. We're going to carve out an identity, and he brought that up again after the game tonight. Maybe we're not there. We're getting closer, but we need our identity to be defense. That I, I thought what struck me most after this game was talking about the offense and that, look, we gave up 123 points. We just held back-to-back opponents under 100. I didn't think the offense was the issue. Um, We get our personality from the offensive end, and it shouldn't be that way. We want our personality to be playing hard and getting that on the defensive end. And defense, you know, we gave up those points. Defense, to me, wasn't the issue tonight. I, I know we gave up 19 made threes. I know there were some open looks. But we heard the same thing prior to the coaching change. Our offense kind of put us in that spot, and we saw a lot less ball movement. That has really been one of the keys for the way this team has been playing on both ends. It's been a synergy where the offense isn't putting the defense in a bad spot. Defense is coming up with stops. You're leading to transition and opportunities there. And we just saw none of that tonight. You have one of these games every now and then. I know the Bucks just had one against the Timberwolves um, last week. Again, they weren't at full strength, similar to the Heat tonight, though a much different outcome. Uh, but it's one of 82 games. I think the big thing is you got to win Thursday in Memphis. And, and, you know, you don't want to look past an opponent or take anyone lightly, as I'm sure there's some Bucks fans that did that to the Miami Heat tonight. When you saw no Jimmy Butler, no Terry Rozier, Josh Richardson to a lesser extent, but a banged-up Miami Heat team and a Heat team that had been struggling close to 500 on the season. I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans looked past this Miami Heat team as well. But Thursday in Memphis is a big one. You know, We, we had said coming into this five-game stretch that you had to circle the home game against the, uh, the Hornets and that game in Memphis against the Grizzlies as, look, all things considered where we are, where we're trending towards, where we want to be, and where these two teams are. we got to get these two games, and we got to get at least one of those remaining three games against the Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets, and the Miami Heat. At this moment, you've gotten at least one of those remaining games, right? Um, but now you got to get that game against the Memphis Grizzlies. If you do that, it's still a pretty good close to this first half of the season based on everything we've seen on the eye test and those defensive metrics as well. Even tonight, with what went on tonight, it's a defense that still appears to be in a much, much better spot than it was three weeks ago. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Buckstock. We'll take a look at uh, some of those defensive numbers and also that remaining schedule. I mentioned how you start the second half of that schedule The five games you have left against the three teams at the top of the Western Conference, it is a brutal second-half stretch that the Bucs have. We'll get into just how challenging it is coming up next on Bucs Talk. The Hardwood Homilies continue after this. This is Bucs Talk. Tough one tonight for the Bucs, who fall to the Miami Heat, 123 
to 97. A wire-to-wire win for the Heat, who get big offensive performances from Kevin Love, from Nikola Jovic, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero. And not lost, not to be lost in the shuffle, a triple-double from Bam Adebayo as well. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head back to the phone lines and check in with Bob in Menasha. You're up next. Yeah, thanks, Jess, for take, taking my call. Yeah, another another, another strange night, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, without Middleton, or, you know, it, I, I think for this team to, to, to get back on track, it, everyone's got to be there, and they all have to be at their top notch. You know, just looking at, 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 that, at that offense, you know, you uh, just have to be able to put the ball. The, the ball in the hole. That's what offense is all about. And watching that defense tonight, you know, you know that Robertson and Hero, all they are is three-point shooters, right? That's all they're going to do all night long. And, and they just tore, tore the place apart. And that's, that's what's disgusting. You know, I mean, Doc's done a good job with that defense so far, but sometimes the guys just haven't bought into some of the concepts he's trying to get across. Hey, Justin, I got one comment, though. You know, uh, when they... When they uh, uh, got rid of the the, the new guy uh, after you know just X number of games, and they they interviewed the uh, general manager, what's his name, Horst or something yeah. like that, is that yeah? And the question was, did did you hire the wrong man? And you know he made a comment. He said, no, we hired the right man. Where am I wrong on that? You know, I mean, are things were things that messed up? In the short time he was with the team, I, I know that number one assistant quit after what about a month of practice. I, I thought that was sort of strange, didn't you, or not? Yeah, it was a it was a week before the season started that uh, Terry Stotts resigned from his post as the lead assistant, and um, I believe the comments from John Horst were that the expectations kind of changed. Um, Take that as you will, but they referenced the trade for Damian Lillard, and that just kind of, you know, not that the Bucks were preparing to be a lottery team or any of that, but I think there was a, a, an understanding of, look, this is an older roster. We need to develop some of these younger guys, and that was an area that Adrian Griffin uh, excelled at in the past and some of his stops as an assistant. I think the big success story that everybody will point to, we did on this show as well, was Jimmy Butler. Uh, giving Adrian Griffin a lot of credit for his development. And even a decade ago, going to ownership in Chicago after a coaching change when Scott Skiles was dismissed and saying Adrian Griffin should be the head coach of the team. So I think there was a little bit of that element. Um, I don't think the Bucks did not anticipate to be a playoff team. I think those expectations that John Horst was alluding to, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it, it was largely just due to look. We got Giannis. We got Damian Lillard. We got these guys that are in the prime and maybe approaching the tail end of that prime for Damian Lillard and, and some guys that are even older than Giannis. But our window is its not very long, you know, unless we have some other massive makeover on the way. You only have so much time with this group, and, and you've seen how challenging it's been for other teams to, to attempt to retool on the fly. Think about what the Warriors did where – they hung around for so long. It's what made that 2022 championship all the more impressive, that it felt like their window was fully closed, and, and they had moved past the era of the Splash Brothers and Kevin Durant had, had been long gone at that point, and injuries. They had the second overall pick in the draft. They went through some lean, lean years 
And then two years later, they get a championship. That is not the norm. But I think that's essentially what they were alluding to is, you know, we were still going to be competitive. But when we made this move and, and we got Damian Lillard, and, and look, the Bucks did their job and their due diligence of checking in and saying, well, what would it cost? Would he be interested in coming here? The fact that that went so late into the summer and fall, essentially, there was a lot that went into it. But I don't think as you opened up the offseason and you made that move to get Adrian Griffin, I don't think you anticipated having Damian Lillard on the roster. I think John Horst probably felt, look, it's a possibility. We're going to check in on it. But I think what they were getting at was, you know, the moment we got him, everything changed. And not that, again, this team was going to be outside of the playoffs or not going to be a competitive team, but when you add Damian Lillard to the mix, when you have Giannis, we have to be one of the best teams in the league. We have to be a serious title threat, and we just didn't feel like that was going to be the case the way that we were headed. So I think that's what he was getting at with those comments that he made, Bob, that you were alluding to. With these games played now, um, so three of them are with Joe Prunty and nine games now with Doc Rivers. The Bucks are 5-7 and seven in those games. But again, tied with the Magic for the sixth best offense in the league, and uh, they're just narrowly behind the Houston Rockets and less than a point per 100 possessions behind the New Orleans Pelicans, who have the fourth best defense as well. So even with tonight's result, you continue to see this defense getting more and more consistent and cleaning up a lot of those areas that they had struggled with in the past. A defensive rebounding, another area where the Bucks are just outside of the top 10 now after these recent performances, but that had been a huge issue for this team. Defensive rebounding, overall rebounding um, as well. And I think the big thing, it, it may sound counterintuitive to suggest this, but to me it's a very good thing and important that the Bucks in these games are 28th in offensive rebounding rate. Again, it means they're getting back in transition and playing a much, much different brand of basketball. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll get to that remaining schedule, where it ranks for the Bucks compared to the other teams in the Eastern Conference. We'll do that next on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. One twenty-three to ninety-seven final here inside of Fiserv for a Miami Heat start to finish take down the Bucks a a throttling when you consider what the offense did and uh, a a stark contrast from what we've seen of this Miami Heat offense for most of this season and and we we joked about it but in many ways it is why it did invoke a lot of memories of that first round series last spring when it was a struggling Miami Heat defense. It was a Miami Heat team, not to get lost in the discourse here, that lost to the Atlanta Hawks in that first play-in tournament game. As we mentioned, again, seven plays eight. The winner is the seventh seed. The loser still gets one more crack at it. That 7-8 matchup a season ago was Miami and Atlanta. I think a lot of us thought Miami would win that game. They would be the seventh seed, and they would be taking on the Boston Celtics. Instead, Miami loses to the Atlanta Hawks, and not only that, they almost lost to the Chicago Bulls as well. It took a fourth-quarter comeback, the final few minutes of that game, for Miami to win. So you went from on the brink of being knocked out of that play-in tournament 
to taking down the one seed in five games, continuing that against the New York Knicks in the second round, going up three games to none on the second-seeded Boston Celtics in the conference finals before eventually um, winning a game seven after three straight losses and then coming up short in the postseason. But that offense was an offense that was struggling. It was middle of the pack at best a season ago. It was a banged-up team, and it didn't feel like that vintage type of Miami Heat team we've seen Eric Spolstra find success with seemingly year after year after year, save for 2021. I point all that out because the numbers backed up. This seemed like that same version of the Miami Heat. Struggled to shoot the ball, weren't a very good offense. They were a good defense. That's how they were winning games, but it was a struggle. It was been a chore and a slog offensively, and if you just watched tonight, and that's the only game you've seen in the Miami Heat this season, you wouldn't have believed any of those numbers that this offense has posted since January 1, when they're in the bottom five in a lot of the offensive statistical categories. None of that was the case tonight with 19 made threes, and all 19 of those coming from four players, Nikola Jovic, Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love, and Tyler Hero knocking down 19 of the Miami Heat's three-pointers in this game. All 19 of them. Is that, uh, that group of four goes 19 of 31 in this game. Bam Adebayo gets a triple-double. Giannis heading near triple-double, two assists short of it. Uh, Bob had mentioned he didn't, he didn't think it was a good game for Giannis. It wasn't a good second half for Giannis, I'll say that. I thought he was pretty good in the first half at, again, taking over when he needed to and doing so without forcing things. But in that second half, I think we saw a lot of frustration, and it wasn't just Giannis. We saw a lot of players just starting to force things and get frustrated. And as Doc Rivers pointed out, this is not the type of defense you can do that against because of the team defenders that they have, how good Bam Adebayo is, and things that he can cover up as well. And this is just a Miami Heat defense that can load up quickly and the longer you hold the ball, you don't move it around. You don't play into that ball movement we have seen recently, really for the last 12 games from this Bucks team. When you don't do that, it's going to cause problems against this Heat defense. That's exactly what we saw for 48 minutes tonight. Uh, Bucks had a couple of charges in the second half when he got the margin to nine. But each time, it didn't last long. The Heat would go on a run. And after that midpoint of the third quarter, it was never below single digits again eventually up to more than 30 and the heat win this one tonight big time by 26 points 123 to 97 schedule that remains for the bucks 27 games left it is the fourth most difficult remaining schedule in the league it is the most difficult schedule in the eastern conference and it's by a pretty significant margin. Charlotte Hornets have the second most difficult uh, schedule in the East remaining. Hornets are playing for a lottery pick anyway. Philadelphia 76ers have the third most challenging. They have 29 games left. Their remaining opponent's win percentage is 51. The Bucks is 52 for that matter. But as we had just gone through... You open up that second half slate with the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. You have both of your games against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You have both games against the Los Angeles Clippers. You have two games left against the Boston Celtics. You have two games left against the 76ers. You have a game left against the New York Knicks. You have two games left against the Lakers, who, again, may be playing for their playoff lives 
at that point. You have a game left against the Phoenix Suns, so there are quite a few challenges that remain for the Bucks, and it's not like we pointed to in this first half schedule where you had a couple of those pockets. You had the, the long road trip to close out the calendar year. You had that five-game road trip out west that you just came off of. You had back-to-backs, two of them, on this four-game homestand where you played both of the teams that played in the NBA Finals a season ago in one set of the back-to-back, played the Minnesota Timberwolves in the other set. Uh, but it was really largely just a couple of stretches of your schedule that were challenging And for the most part, second half is the complete opposite. You'll have a couple of stretches that are not. Most specifically is those final two games of the month where you have a home and home with the Charlotte Hornets. But as you look at the toughest teams left on the schedule and the teams that are not so much, that not so much column for the Bucs, there are fewer and fewer of those games. I mentioned the two you have against the Hornets. Those are both out of the way by the end of February. you got two games left against the Memphis Grizzlies, but again, after Thursday, that shrinks down to one. It is just a very, very challenging schedule that's in front of the Bucks. It's why I think the All-Star break is coming at the right time, as this team seems like they just need an opportunity to catch their breath and, uh, and to get some rest. But it doesn't get any easier with the fourth most difficult remaining schedule in the league from here on out. And I'll point this out as well. The Miami Heat have the fourth easiest schedule remaining. That is a team to keep an eye on in those standings for potentially getting out of the play-in tournament. The Orlando Magic, similar story. They have the easiest schedule left in the league. Uh, That is a team that is currently just outside of the play-in tournament. The Boston Celtics have the second easiest schedule remaining in all of basketball. And right now, the Boston Celtics don't need any more help. When you look at that standings, Celtics are 30 games above 500. They're five games up on the Cavs in the loss column, and they have the second easiest schedule remaining. So we point all this out to say there's a very, very good chance the Boston Celtics are going to be the one seed and are going to lock that up a week, maybe even more than that, before the regular season comes to a close. Knowing that... I'm going to go back to the point. It makes it all the more important to make sure you don't finish any lower than third in the Eastern Conference. Second or third, and even second, now all of a sudden has its share of challenges. We'll get into that and preview the matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies as we wrap up the show after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk.com. The Round Ball Repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. 123 to 97, the final inside of five serve for a Miami Heat, a wire to wire dominant win over the Bucks tonight. Final home game of the first half of this schedule. Final game of the first half schedule is Thursday night in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Special tip time there. It's going to be a 7:30 tip in Memphis, so our pregame coverage will begin at uh, seven o'clock. I mentioned it is. Very, very likely the Boston Celtics will finish with the best record in basketball this season and uh, lock up that one seed as, again, five games separating the Celtics and the Cavaliers at this moment in the loss column. Six games overall in the standings, but five in the loss column for the Cavs to make up. Bucks are eight games back in the loss column. That is a Herculean effort to erase that margin 
with the schedule the Bucks have left, you have zero room for error. So it's going to be very, very challenging for the Bucks to move up to that top spot. To move up to the second presents its own challenges as well because at this moment, you're three back in the loss column of those Cavaliers. Cleveland, again, has an easier schedule than the Bucks do in this uh, second half of remaining games, I should say, as the Cavaliers are around the middle of the pack. 14th most difficult schedule left. That's still 10 spots better than the Bucks, who have the fourth most, fourth most challenging. And uh, once more, if we look at it just by conference, Bucks have the toughest schedule left in the East. Sixers have the third most challenging. From there, you look at other teams like the Knicks, who are fifth on that list. Cavaliers are right in the middle of the pack with the eighth most difficult schedule remaining in the East. I'm pointing all this out because there's a difference in the games the Cavs have left versus what the Bucks have left. Cavs just have one game left with the Celtics. They do have both of those their games with the Timberwolves, two games with the Sixers, who, again, are going to be playing maybe both of those without Joel Embiid. But that three in the loss column looms even larger when you consider the tiebreaker element. These two teams split their four games, so there is no head-to-head tiebreaker for the Bucks to lean on. You have to go down to conference and divisional records, and it would start with division, and right now the Cavs are 7-4 and four in the Central Division. The Bucks are just 9-7 and seven in the Central, a division they have dominated for the last five years. And the Cavaliers, again, have an easier schedule left with those divisional opponents than do the Bucks. So it is going to be a lot of work to move up even further than where the Bucks are. The big thing is, even with this challenging schedule, you just can't and don't want to slide any lower than you currently sit. Thursday night in Memphis, the first half schedule comes to an end. It's the Bucks and the Grizzlies. 7.30 tip-off from Memphis. 7 o'clock is when our pregame coverage begins. And as always... Be sure to stick around after the game for Bucks Talk. We will talk to you then.